This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, another derby day has come and gone, but a very different feeling uh, to last week. Albion 1-0 victors over Birmingham City. And I'm sure somewhere in the um, podcast verse, there is a Birmingham City podcast recording. And Pete, they're probably saying, we just knew it was going to be Andy Vyman. <laughs> and, and they were right. Yep, it was uh, the former Villa player, which... You know, as Albion fans, we're not going to celebrate very often. But Byman came in and he scored against Blues and won us the game. So he I think wasn't shy about celebrating that. it, Pete. Let, let, let's be clear about that. He he certainly wasn't shy about celebrating it. Um, I uh, I thought his um, going over and applauding the Blues fans at the final whistle was uh, it, it was entertaining to see. Let's let, uh, let's let's put it let's put it that way. I mean, we didn't want to. Obviously, fortunately, it didn't incite anything. We didn't need any scenes like um, like last week. But um, uh, yeah, I, I thought he stayed the right line, uh, right side of the line of banter, and certainly was not shy about um, letting the Birmingham City fans know that they just got beaten by an ex Villa man. Yeah, I wasn't shy about letting them know what the score was as well. He was. Uh... Giving it the one finger up and the note on the other hand, which I think, to me, I think that's all a bit of good fun. If you're giving a player a stick for the whole game, then fair enough. If he gives you a bit back after he's won the game, so hundred um... percent, mate. I, I've always, I've always thought this. It really, it, it. I always find it a little bit entitled when, uh, when fans slag off a player all the way through the match and then get annoyed when they say something back. It's like. Hang on, it, it, why, why are you allowed to slaughter him all the way through the game and he's not allowed to give you a bit back? Yeah, especially in a, a local derby, you know, there's going to be a bit of banter from the crowd. And, you know, I think fair enough to the players, if they give a bit back, it's not like he was doing too much or anything. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed seeing it and he certainly enjoyed the goal. So good on it. The game overall, Pete, I mean, 
look at it this way: it ain't one you're going to go out and buy the DVD of, is it? I mean, it was it it was it was a largely forgettable affair. I mean, and, and, which is reflected in the in the XG. Both uh, both teams um, posting 0.7 XG, which which means that you know. Although the game could have potentially finished one-one, it, it, it could also finish nil-nil as well. Um, very even affair, which Albion just had the clinical moment in. I don't, I don't think we can, I don't think we can say much more than that on it, can we? Really? I mean, we've had games recently. You think, you think back to Blackburn, where, for example, we where we bossed that, and and how that was only four is is anybody's guess. You know, uh, we we've had games at the Hawthorns where we've been by far and away the better side. I don't think I th- I think I think we 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 would quite rightly be accused of being utterly utterly biased if um if we were to sit here on today's pod and say that Albion were comfortably the better side in that game because they weren't. I think I think it was a very very even game which only really had one moment of true true quality in it and fortunately it 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 was a moment that was in our favour, but over the course of the piece, uh, Pete, I, I felt that it was an extremely even game between two sides. That unfortunately, you can have you can have even games go one of two ways. You can either have even games where it's an absolute ding dong affair, or you can have even games where the two sides largely cancel each other out. And I felt that was pretty much what this was. I I, I thought we 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 were evenly matched. We matched up quite well in terms of shape and in terms of personnel. And I just thought for the for large parts we cancelled each other out. And it was um, it it wasn't it wasn't one for the connoisseur, was it? Yeah, it was definitely two teams cancelling each other out. I think Birmingham pressed us really well and um, stopped us building up with ease. Um, and that, but then they failed to turn any of those. Um, pressing moments or high turnovers into good chances, so they didn't really create anything. And like I say, they, the way they pressed us made us made it really hard for us to play out and um, move into the final third quickly and create chances. Just but on that, still... Pete, we, we we were talking about this um, when uh, when we got back in the car after the game, and uh, and we we were saying that if if you look at this from a Birmingham City point of view. You actually probably would be quite annoyed that you, you, as you say, you did. They did such a good job of um, of pressing us and dispossessing us. We they dispossessed us seven times in the first half, only three in the second half. So they did such a good job of dispossessing us in the first half, but didn't really do anything with it. And if you if you if you're a Birmingham City fan, I imagine you're probably a little bit frustrated at your team that. Did they go for it enough in the first half when they were probably the better side? I think we were probably the better side second half and they were probably the better side first half. But it didn't feel like they showed the desire or... um, I didn't feel like they twisted. I felt like they stuck a little bit in in a period of the game when they, they probably should have got the first goal if they had really wanted to go for it. Yeah, but I think teams know that if they do go for it too much against Darwin, um and they lose the ball, then we're going to be quick to go up the other end and create a chance for ourselves, which is almost what we want because we're so solid defensively that even if teams do come at us, you know we're, we're generally quite um, comfortable at the back and we're ready to go forwards if we do win that ball and teams overcommit against us. So it's I suppose it's a difficult one to decide if you're coming up against Albion, whether you really push for that first goal because you know that if we do go behind, then... We tend to struggle to get back into games, but if you push for that first goal and commit too many men forward, then we're 
we're pretty lethal on the counter attack and that's how we like to create chances so you might concede on yourself and if you go behind against Albion then Albion are generally very good at um, holding on to that lead and even extending the lead so it's I suppose it's a difficult one for opposition coaches whether they want to really push for it or whether they want to be a bit more conservative and just hold on to that hold on to this, the one point that they have at the start um, so maybe that's why Birmingham didn't come for us too much um, but even when we get even when we lose the ball um, after being pressed we're still very solid and we get in, back into position and get men round the ball to win it back quickly so I think it's a mixture of Blues not really committing too many men to create chances and Albion being very solid even if they do lose the ball in the first third. It does feel almost typical though, Pete, that um, just a few days after I write an article highlighting um, how at home Albion are really fast starters and generally score the first goal between the the the, uh, the first and 15th minute and that we, that we then go and turn out in our next home game a performance where we, we actually didn't really start playing till uh, till the second half and I do I mean to talk about the, the the dispossessed stats there where they dispossessed us seven times in the first half only three in the second half I felt like they'd rattled us uh, a bit first half and I felt players that normally are super, super reliable like Kipre and Palmer actually lost their head a little bit in that first half. I thought, I mean, I thought Kipre overall, it was definitely the right decision to substitute him. I thought the referee was quite um, kind to both sides in terms of the yellow cards he dished out. I don't really know how... Kevin Long and Sunjic got through that game without a yellow, but also I have to say there was a big, big shout for a second yellow on Kipre. I thought his first was harsh. Um, I don't really know where the referee expects Kipre to go to get out of the way of him, but I thought when, I've got to say, when he made that challenge in the second half, I thought he he's off here. And, you know, credit to Blues. And and I think we have got to say say that sometimes because it's very easy to look at it through an Albion lens and just say, that was not one of our better performances, but they didn't let us be better in that first half. And and as I say, I think I, I felt like they rattled usually unflappable players in Palmer, who nearly dropped the one of the simplest little chip shots you'll ever see into into the back of his own net. And and Kipre, who just didn't have a good day, really. Yeah, Kipre probably should have been walking um, and got was lucky not to. But like you say, the referees decisions on what was the yellow card and what wasn't seemed to be pretty random on the day um so i think we got a one away with one there but yeah they Birmingham impressed us really well and stopped us going into our midfielders they would tend to be the two players that they'd press in moa and yukuzlu which is um what gab Sutton predicted in the um, opposition view that we did put on our substack earlier in the week um and that basically stopped us building up like we wanted to we usually use Yukuzlu and Moet quite a lot, but if the ball go into them and they got the receiving the ball with a back to goal, then the Birmingham players were straight onto them and trying to win it back. And I think that made it more difficult for us to build up and um probably unsettled a few players and because the, the general option of going into one of those midfielders who are really good in possession wasn't there as well because, you know, they knew that um if they did get the ball into them then they've most likely got a Birmingham player on the back. So yeah, I think the performance was more down to Birmingham being pretty good and stifling us rather than Albion just being really poor. We'll come on to what we did to improve shortly, Pete, but I just want to ask a quite simple question, really. 
how big a moment in the game was Alex Pritchard going off at, at, at half time? Because I thought he ran that first half. Yeah, Pritchard's obviously a very good player. Um, I think it will prove to be a very good signing for Birmingham. Um, he was really good for um, up at Sunderland under Mowbray, and I'm sure Mowbray will be delighted to have him with him again at, at Birmingham. Um, you know, he's a player that's going to be really good on the ball. He's going to create a lot of chances. and 100 and grand as well, Pete. I mean, that's a bargain. Yeah, well, had Albion got a bit of cash, I wouldn't mind them going in for that kind of deal. But I suppose the only the, the negative about him is he's coming towards the end of his career. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Birmingham and Mowbray will be delighted with that signing. Um, he's a, a very good championship player. Um, you know, he didn't have the best of times for Albion. And I think it was when we were in the Premier League when we brought him in and he hadn't had too much experience before that. But yeah, now... Later on in his career, he's, well, he's proven Amp- to be Amp- really... didn't seem to actually realise how how tall he was. I mean, it, from from what I hear, he com- he didn't play Pritchard because he felt he was too short, which uh, seems seems a bit of an odd complaint about a player that was signed on your watch. Yeah, but it seems about right for Tony Pulis, doesn't it? You know, you don't really get in the team unless you're six foot plus. So yeah, I suppose I suppose that was the issue. It seemed a bit of a strange signing at the time. A player like that generally isn't the kind of player that Pulis is used in his managerial career and also a player of that height is it's very rare to see one of them in a Tony Pulis side. So if you're using him in the right way and now that he's had a bit more experience in his career, um, you know, he's a really useful championship attacking player. Of course, you know, you talk about a player Birmingham sign there. We made our own signings this week and a number of them had a big impact on, uh, on the game. And I want to come to them in just a minute, but before I do, Pete, as I say, I felt it was a, a rather bitty performance um, uh, where we didn't really get any consistency going. There was a couple of big chances in the game. We massive, you know, we had one with Moat's header where he should really, really do better. Um, they've obviously had one where they've hit the inside of the post and we've got away with one there. But th- there was very few players in that game that I felt could come off the pitch saying, I've had a good 90 minutes. I thought there was one player that was um, head and shoulders uh, above all the others. And uh, just uh, just a big shout out to uh, to a couple of our listeners, uh, uh, Matt and Oscar, who uh, uh, I had the pleasure of walking back to the car with after the game. And, and we were chatting together about how good Darnell Furlong had been in that game because he was absolutely outstanding, wasn't, uh, wasn't he, Pete? I mean... He uh, he had four shot creating actions, which is the second most. Not bad for a right back. Um, he made the most tackles in the game. He made the second most interceptions behind Connor Townsend, who I also thought was one of our better players on the day. Um, I thought he had he also had the equal highest expected goals. He had the most progressive passes. Now that's very very impressive, and the second most progressive carries behind Jed as well. He was absolutely everywhere. He's had a huge hand in in the goal. Some of his tackles were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they basically he, he rattled Buchanan completely. Um, you know, he 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 had Buchanan completely lose his head to the point where he had to be sent off because he was uh, sorry had to be substituted because he might get sent off and was just completely gone. Um, because Furlong had just completely got in his head. I I mean. It's very. I think. I think we've said for a while that Darnell Furlong is underrated by some uh, in this West Bromwich Albion side. But I don't think we've. I don't think we've had many examples this season where 
Darnell Furlong has just stood out as the player in a game, largely because right backs don't very often. But I think it's I think it's worth highlighting. Darnell Furlong was an enormous, enormous reason why we won that game against Birmingham City. He there, there is there's there's not even a debate in my mind as to who the man of the match was. I think you, you, we were chatting uh, beforehand that Tom Fellows had a good game as well. There was one or two that you could say have a good game, but who had a complete, a, a really complete performance? Only one player on the pitch, and that was Darnell Furlong, who was. Uh, and I'm going to say the word because I got some stick uh, from from a couple of people on Twitter for saying this because they feel it's overstating it. I don't. He was outstanding. Yeah, no, complete game is a good way to sum it up because he was strong in his defence, defensive actions and um, being part of that back line. He was really good at moving the ball forward and then he created chances at the in the attacking third as well. So, you know, every aspect of his game was, was really impressive against Birmingham and... I suppose that's what you want from fullbacks, especially in a Carlos Corbran team. They're involved in all phases of the game, and he wants his his fullbacks to get up and down the pitch. Um, and yeah, it was a really good game for Furlong. Like you say, he topped the progression metrics, most progressive passes, um, most progress, a second highest progressive progressive carries. He was our most dangerous passer. He had by far the highest expected threat almost double that of the next highest which was Tom Fellows um so he's passing the ball into dangerous areas and I suppose the biggest one of them is the assist that he got um to to Andy Weiman it was a perfectly weighted ball and he he waits to do it as well doesn't he Pete he waits for for Weiman to have made to have got into the position it would have been very easy to just get down that line and and just lash that ball across the six yard box but he bides his time which is very very important in that moment and it's what it's what makes the goal happen yeah he bides his time but he also has the composure to pick out the the right man there was three players in the box there was Weiman DK and I think Connor Townsend so you got three options there, and to be fair, Connor Townsend was the most free of the three players. The other two were being marked, lightly marked in Vyman's case, but Berlong saw that saw that Vyman had the space to finish if he picked him out, and he picked him out perfectly. So it was the decision-making as well as the actual quality of the pass there, um, which was really impressive, as was, like you say, is the way he moved the ball forward for Albion. He really helped us get up the pitch, both in his passes and in his carries. And he was solid at the back as well, which against Birmingham City, you know, when you play it right back, it's never going to be the easiest game as a fullback because you're coming up against um, Suriki Dembele, who's an excellent dribbler and is a real threat in, in when you compare him to other championship wingers. He's not; he's definitely not going to be the easiest winger you come up against in the season. In fact, he's probably going to be one of the, the tougher wingers you come up against in the season. So he did really well to to defend that Um right back area um the left wing for Birmingham City um yeah did really well I think he was only dribble past once and he did a good job on Buchanan as well when he came forward he he really got into his head made some big challenges and well we mentioned earlier that a couple of our players seemed to be a bit a bit shaky on the ball but I think after Furlong had uh gone into Buchanan a couple of times I think it's fair to say Buchanan was as well well it, it it's one of those isn't it uh again you know these are not necessarily they're, they're not things that uh morally necessarily right but every Albion player knows that that surface just in front of the Halfords Lane end is really slippy 
if if you're in football boots. I've I've had the pleasure of playing on the Hawthorns pitch, and I've I've um, I've walked across that in football boots, and it is very very easy to go uh, to slip over, and and they all know that all you've got to do is just give a player just a little bit in the back. And it's not, you know, it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look overly cynical. But the player's going to end up going over because uh, because that that surface is just so, so slippery. And it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of gamesmanship. It's a little bit of nastiness. But Buchanan never, he, he just, all he does when when he's trying to shepherd that ball out for a throw is just give him just a little forearm in the small of his back knowing that if he takes one large step onto that uh, onto that slippery surface he will fall over and Buchanan never recovered from that and it's it's those little bits of gamesmanship that I feel like in previous seasons Pete we've we we we've we've lacked because let's be honest about this football is not just a physical game it's a mental game as well and if you get in players heads they 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 can go they can get off their flow they can get off their game and i felt that's what happened to Buchanan yesterday yeah i think furlong's got that little bit of a nastiness in him that you kind of want from a fullback not to the levels of somebody like i don't know Joey Barton who's just going to look for a fight every game he's got more of a control Kev- way kevin to... muscat would be the example from from my era pete which uh, might might be a bit before before your time but i, I imagine there's a there's a few listeners uh that, that turning and nodding at that that is probably the epitome of an example of a over-the-top nasty fullback yeah i've only heard of muscat from a, a neil warnock documentary i think and um yeah he's painted in a similar light in that documentary so um furlong's not really like that he's got the the kind of aggression and nastiness to to leave a couple of things on a winger without being too um, too evil, if you like, um, and it's probably just puts the the winger or the opposition wing back off, go, trying to go past him a little bit because he knows that if he does, he's he might get hurt in the in the process. Um, and just winning that kind of mental side of the game is is really important, especially for for a fullback when. You've got people who are going to want to try and take it past you, and you're going to be able to make challenges. And you know you've got to do your best to stop them trying to get past you, whether that's by making good challenges or or making hard challenges and and putting them off going past you. Um, I think if you do it fairly, then yeah, it's part of the game. It's a contact sport. Obviously, you don't want people just shoving people over. And you know what Furlong did with the the little nudge in the back. It wasn't overly aggressive. He knew exactly what he was doing. I think, but it wasn't like it, it was a two-handed shove, shoving him over advertising hoardings um, or anything like that. So having a little bit of aggression and and maybe putting off the opposition players wanting to come too close to you or try and take it past you is, is something that's going to help Albion in games. So, um, yeah, something that's good with me. Away days are great. But there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. 
With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We talked before about how Albion did have some new signings on on show, Pete. And I mean, I did I did an article uh, on our Substack in in the week. And if you if you haven't checked it out yet, if I mean, if you enjoy this pod, there's no reason why you wouldn't enjoy the content uh, on our Substack. Um, it's uh, it's pinned on our X page. Um, there's tons of stuff on there, including an article with the, uh, which I did about uh, Callum Marshall and talking about how he could be exactly what we needed. And I highlighted the fact that Albion had a run last uh, last season of, I think it was seven consecutive games where they had both Brandon Thomas Asante and Daryl DK available to them. And Albion won six of those seven games. I think Albion being able to make, and Carlos Corbran being able to make big changes at big moments in games is absolutely enormous for the coach I think he likes to be able to change it in games he's he's um instilled a level of tactical flexibility into the players which means they're able to change it in games he just needs that the the personnel and in recent weeks we've got so thin on the ground that we've kind of we've kind of been robbed of those options but after what I think was very very good transfer business through through the course of the window we we gave ourselves much more options off the bench going into this game. I mean, you 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 looked you looked at the bench before kickoff, and you thought if we need to change this, there's there's plenty here. You've got DK, you've got Marshall, you've got Chalaber, you've got Johnston, you've got Pippa on there as well. There was there was there was plenty on that bench in terms of offensive options and you know we're only a couple of weeks away from getting getting Dean Garner back by the way congratulations to Grady Dean Garner and Democratic Republic of Congo I don't think anybody saw them going all the way to the semi-finals and uh, and obviously they're joined in the semi-finals with uh, with Shemi Ajayi's Nigeria who uh, who uh, notched one the other day as well so I mean uh, two Alpian players in the um, in the semi-finals of the AFCON absolutely fantastic I mean not great from the point of view of us having them available, but if we can crack on and keep winning without them, then it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, we, we, we've not had those options in recent weeks. And I, I, I just talked about how, in that article, how important it is that, that Carlos Corbran is able to change it up. And I thought it it was no more emphasised than with the goal. Because you've got, Look, Brandon did not have a good game against against Birmingham City, but as I as I said in the, in the article, Brandon has now played more minutes at this at this point this season than he played in the whole of last season. We're running Brandon into the ground. I think people when they start judging Brandon where he where he, when he has an off day need need to realize how much football. But bear in mind as well, this is this is his first full season at this level, and. He's being asked to lead the line for us week in, week out, and and we, he must be exhausted. He's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders as well, because all the goal scoring um, responsibility has been with him. Well, it wasn't at the weekend. He had a bit of a disappointing game. He came off. We had Marshall to come on, and then later DK. 
Swift, I thought, had one of his less influential games. We didn't have necessarily a direct like-for-like number 10, but then Andy Vyman goes in as as the second striker, really. It was more of a two up front at that point and does a different job, but does an extremely effective job. I mean, with, with the due respect to John Swift, if he's on at that point, he doesn't make that run across uh, across the, uh, the the near post because it's just not a run John Swift makes. John Swift's run is pull back to the penalty spot and look for the ball pulled back to him. So I don't think we score that goal if John Swift's on the pitch. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Swift. I just mean that, that it, he's not that type of player. He's not going to get into that position. And... It was just it was the ability to keep Birmingham guessing to change uh, to change things up. And you look at the entire goal. Let's just pick it up uh, from the point at which we pick the ball up first. We pick it up in the back four with Yukoslu, who draws three players towards him, rolls them, and then takes all three players out of the game with a ball out to Furlong. That happens because. Yukoslu has been put into centre-back because of a substitution, because Chalaba came on for Kipre, and therefore Yukoslu uh, moved into the into centre-half. Neither Kipre nor Bartley would have had the quality, because it takes a central midfielder's quality to do what he did there, to take those three players out of the game. That's the start of the move. Then Furlong goes down the, down the line and plays it across to Mikey Johnston, who does absolutely brilliantly, again, takes another player out of the game, is fouled, but fortunately the referee plays on so that we can continue. And the ball falls to Callum Marshall, another substitute, who slides a brilliant ball down the side for for Furlong, who then uh, puts it across into the middle for another substitute, Andy Vyman. And the whole goal, the whole match-winning moment is... It just goes to show how if Corbran is able to change it in games when it's not working, he will find solutions. The man is a genius. And I'm not saying he mapped that goal out in his mind, because of course he didn't. But it just it just gives us something different where it's not really worked for us throughout the course of the game. So we try, we try something different. We put a more technical player in at centre-half. I realise it was probably more to do with Kipre being likely to be sent off, but he could have he could have brought Eric Peters on, not Nathaniel Chalobah, and he didn't. He moved he moved Yukoslu back in there, and he uh, and, and he went to went with a more technical player in there. He he then um, puts a different sort of second striker on there. He puts a different sort of centre forward on uh, on there in terms of Callum Marshall. I really enjoyed some of his link up play. Thought he did really really well when he uh, when he when he came on. And he's he's also put a player who's a bit more bit more technical uh, probably is the best way to describe Mikey Johnston uh, out out wide and and will draw people in and beat them. And it suddenly Birmingham had different problems to deal with Pete, and that's. And those options off the bench is where the goals come from. Yeah, having those options is going to be a real benefit going into the second half of the season because, like I say, Corbrand's such a, a deep thinker about the game, um, analyzes everything that's going on. You feel like he's always going to have a good understanding of what the game needs to create more chances. And I've been struggling to really create anything. And um, Corbrand made the changes and eventually we create a really good chance. And Luckily, we take it. Um, so having options and a, a depth of option, options that all provide kind of different things is going to be so useful with Corbin because you just 
expect him to make the right decision to bring in the right player that's going to give Albion exactly what they need to change the game. Um, and I think all three signings looked really promising. Um, the run from Vyman to create that space was so perfectly timed and into the, just the right area. There was two Blues defenders in the box and the way that Vyman crossed over with DK in his run made it difficult for the defenders to know whether to switch or to you know follow their original players and and just try and follow that run. Um, the finish ended up is unerring to... as well, isn't it, Pete? I mean, it's it's he because if he doesn't get that high, it, there's there's a fairly good chance it could hit the goalkeeper on the way through. But the height of the finish gives the goalkeeper absolutely no chance. Yeah, putting it right on the top into the top of the net, really good finish, made it almost impossible for the goalkeeper. Um, so I thought Varman was really good, and that's that's what we expected from him to come in and um, to get chances in really good areas um, that's what we said when we first signed him is that he, he registers a high expected goals but more importantly he gets a, a really high expected goals per shot so he gets chances in really good areas which is what he did against Birmingham and he took his chance so yeah we can't ask for much more from Lyman than performing like that I thought Callum Marshall his energy was brilliant um, and he he did a good job in coming on in that game Um I don't think we saw him where we wanted to see him most, which is in the penalty area because, you know, he's a real goal scorer and that's where you want to see him involved in play. He came into a situation where once we got that first goal, we weren't going to see him into the, getting into the penalty area too much, which was unfortunate because I think when he gets the chance to come onto a game where we're getting lots of balls into the box, playing lots of balls into the box, then we're going to see the very, very best of Marshall um, and he's going to grab us some goals. I but thought he, I thought he got us up the field well though at one nil, Pete. I, I, I thought when the ball came up to him because he doesn't look like the most physically imposing guy yet. He backs into defenders really well and and he he was he was very good at either holding the ball up or playing a ball around the around the corner. I was surprised at how well he physically dealt with the uh, with the game at, at one nil because obviously we were trying to clear it and get it up the field and I thought it might just bounce off him and come back here, but it didn't. Yeah, that's what I mean. His energy was really good and impressive, and he wasn't scared of um, who he was coming up against. You know, when he did his uh, interview for the Albion, I think he said something like he's going to be coming up against really big men or something. And it it made him sound like he might be a little bit intimidated, but he definitely wasn't on the day. So um, I think he used his body, which, you know, he's not the biggest of builds yet, but that's understandable with his age. Um, used his body really well to to make it difficult for the Birmingham defenders to just come and clean him out and win the ball. So, yeah, I think he was impressive in what he did. Um, it's probably not the dream situation for him to come on into. He'd probably like Alvin to be um, maybe a couple of goals ahead already so he can just come on, get in the box. Alvin are going to dominate play and he can get a few chances and grab a few goals on his debut. But I think he made the most of the situation and, and put on a promising display. So, yeah, definitely no complaints there and looking forward to seeing more of him in the future. Um on Marky Johnson, I thought he looked really good. And, you know, based on reports from Celtic fans from Twitter, which, you know, maybe isn't the most reliable thing to look at what you, to expect from a player, but they weren't too complimentary on him. Um, I thought the data from this season on Johnston from his games at Celtic have actually been really good. You know, lots of progressive runs, lots of dribbles, good dribble success, um, likes to cross. But the issue is he's only played just over 390s for Celtic, so it's not a very big sample size to go on. But 
I saw I saw them saying he likes his stepovers as well, Pete, which I, I, I enjoyed to a certain degree. Although I have to say, I wish he wouldn't do uh, do a series of stepovers on the edge of our own penalty area at one nil up. It nearly gave me heart failure watching that. Yeah, and uh, when you got your cushioning on the pitch as well, he's a player that's uh, not scared of doing something similar on the edge of our own box. So it might not be the healthiest of combinations for Albion fans. Um, but going forward, I thought Johnston was really. Really exciting. He wants to take his man, man on, and generally he was pretty successful in it. So, apart, I mean, other than Dian Garner, we we don't really have a a winger that's like a really dribbly winger for what a better word. But he's the kind of player that's going to take people on, and if he gets past them, it takes them out of the game and opens up a bit of space, and hopefully he can create chances as well. So, I thought it was a really promising display from him, and obviously Vyman got the goal. But in terms of the rest of the player, the three. The three um, new signings, I thought Johnston looked the probably the brightest. Um, like I've already said, I've thought all three have had had a really good game. Um, so that's no dis- disrespect to the other two, but I thought Johnston looked really bright and offered something that we didn't really have. Um, obviously, Tom Fellows likes to go past a man, but Johnston just seems to be a, maybe a bit closer control, less driving into big open spaces and more. I think you'd back Johnston to to get past players if he had maybe two or three defenders on him more than you would Tom Fellows would. But if you've got a big open space, then you probably want Tom Fellows driving into it and taking on one defender. So Tom's a bit more yeah. of a straight, a straight line winger. Um, uh, uh, Johnston's a bit more of a zigzag, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm basically getting at. It's kind of like Dean Garner compared to Wallace. It's, you know, Wallace more straight line, but Dean Garner zigzag, if he's got three or four men around him, could well find the solution to get past all four of them. So it's nice to have that that variety and different options for Corbrand to, to bring into the starting eleven or bring players on off the bench, depending on what the situation of the game is. So, yeah, the the signings that we've made so far, well, the signings that we made in the January transfer window um, look to be really, really positive ones and looks like the club's done a good job on on their recruitment there. Well, that recruitment might not be quite done yet either, Pete. Uh, Corbrand said in his pre-match press conference, and by the way, whilst whilst we mention uh, Carlos Corbrand, um, I, I think we, um, before we move on and talk about anything else, Pete, I think we'd both just like to say um, a massive congratulations to uh, to Carlos Corbrand on um, it, on on becoming a father again. Um, that, which I think I think happened the, the 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 day before the game. I think I think he said um, I think it, it, Carlos Corbrand with a rare joke pre match said that um that that his uh i think he's had a son hasn't he that his son w- was so uh, so desperate to uh to attend the game that he was born early and um, so uh, massive massive congratulations to 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 carlos and do you know what to 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 actually turn out an albion side as brilliantly organized and 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 well set up in a in a week where i imagine he's had to be Obviously, uh, looking after his his heavily heavily pregnant wife, you know, going to the hospital. Can't imagine he's had a had a fat lot of sleep either. Um, just goes to show what an unbelievable professional he is. But yeah, on a, on a personal level, Pete, just you know, from everyone, uh, from both of us at the pod, just a massive congratulations to Carlos. Great news, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant, and congratulations to him and his family. And like you say, to to be at the game the next day and to have such a well-drilled side and we're not going to say it's a brilliant performance but it was a good performance we did what we needed to do and um yeah it shows how good a coach how dedicated he is to his work and i think 
yeah, Albion fans are just delighted that we've got him at the club and it's been a while since we've had a manager that I think has been so so um, well supported by all Albion fans. I'm, I'm not sure there's any that have really a bad word to say against him. We will. Uh, I mean, we're, we're going to finish off talking just uh, just with a quick chat about the the one potential area of recruitment that we might uh, might do in the in the coming days because Carlos Corbran has made comments that he does want uh, another player in um, in the free transfer market. But before I do, uh, before I do, just to quickly mention the elephant in the room a little bit. Obviously, we are very aware of the accusations that uh, Janino Bacuna uh, made against um, an Albion fan uh, suggesting that he was um, racially abused. Obviously, completely, um, if if there's anything in those accusations that's appalling and, it, I mean, it's, it, it's just, I mean, another incident that, um, that we really don't need coming, especially, I mean, we don't want it any time, but I mean, you know, it's not been a good week anyway, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we will obviously, we're not going to presume one way or another what has gone on there because frankly, we haven't got the information uh, to uh, to do so. And um, the, the club and the, uh, the police will do a thorough investigation. And frankly, that's what they're there for. But any, racism in in football is absolutely disgusting and appalling and just it it just beggars belief it does it just beggars belief and um you know we obviously saw an incident uh at uh at Sheffield Wednesday um a, a few weeks back and it's just you know there's simply put there is no place for it in football um so uh, you know like I say that's just talking generally uh, about the whole the whole point in terms of this issue, we will obviously leave the club to do the investigations and leave the police to do the investigation because that's that's what they're there for. Um, in terms of the transfer window, Pete, uh, Carlos Corbran made it very clear that um, he still feels he wants one more player. I know you are going to do an article on this around around transfer targets. So um, obviously you're going to do more depth in uh, in the article and please look out for that on our sub stack. And I'm not going to ask you to um, give too much away from from the article, Pete. But um, I mean, just from my cursory glance, the really obvious one seems to be Mr. Fax Machine Gate himself, Josh Onema. Um, there doesn't seem to be many obvious uh, obvious targets. Um, it it doesn't seem to be a very um, big pool of players that uh, that Carlos Corbran will be fishing in to get this free transfer central midfielder. And would it be fair to say that you as well, when you looked at this, that Onoma's probably the the main one that kind of leapt off the leapt leapt off the list at you a bit? Yeah, I've had a look and I've come up with a short list of seven players. If you want to see them and read about them. I'm currently writing it up, so it's going to be out. If you subscribe to our Substack, then you should receive it in your bo- in, in your inbox on Monday evening. Otherwise, it'll be um, we'll put a post about it out on Twitter, which will come out um, Tuesday morning, I'd imagine. So you can read about them all there. But Onoma is included in those seven. I think he had a good season at Preston last year, um, despite. Not playing too many games, I think he joined quite late on. But what he did do was was impressive. So it's he's definitely definitely a possible one there. It's one that he's a player that's played in the division. Um, 
you know, it's probably quite easy to negotiate with staying in England. Um, some of the other targets I've identified of, from outside of England, so you know, it might be a bit trickier to try and persuade them to come here. But Maron um, Fellaini made sure he stayed off your list by retiring, didn't he, Pete? <laughs> yeah, he was my top target before then as well. No, to be fair, I think five out of the seven have played in England. Um, but yeah, Onoma's in a way probably the the obvious one because of the links we've had him before. He's got lots of championship experience. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's my favourite pick of the seven. So um, if you do want to know know more about those seven players, then yeah, make sure to su- subscribe to our Substack. Um, like I say, it'll be out on on Tuesday for everyone to read. So um, yeah, we'll go into a bit more depth in there in that article. And on that tease, I can't think of a better place to leave today's pod. So, uh, well, that's all from us today. A, a, a nice upbeat pod um, to start the month of February. Long may it continue. Of course, Albion's next game is a very tricky um, away game uh, at uh, Ipswich Town. So, um, uh, you know, if if Albion are going to turn around their um, not particularly great away form, they're going to do it on, on a difficult patch. So um, obviously join us after that game. And also, if you are listening uh, to this uh, before Thursday um, and you fancy an evening with Peter Odom Wingy. I will be, um, I'll, I'll be the, the man with the, with the microphone asking Peter the questions at the, uh, Staffordshire Baggies, uh, meeting all the details. You can find them on, uh, on their, um, uh, uh, on their social media channels and I think I retweeted them as well so if you're struggling um have a look on on there as well so if um, if you do fancy that it'd be great to it'd be great to see some of our listeners uh, at that event and uh, to um, uh, to have a chat with you but until then thanks for listening and up the baggies The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.